This is XN Anderson, and welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I have Ken Gordon, Jr., who is with me today, also known as Pastor Ken. And he is a pastor. He's a best-selling author, a business executive, husband, father, community leader. And I am thrilled to have you on the show today, Ken. Thanks for being with us. Hey, X, it's great to be with you today. And one of the reasons I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today is because I know it's going to be an exciting show. We're talking about something that I feel like both you and I are passionate about, which is this the role that dads have. Can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the role that dads have and why you're passionate about it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of us, us being men, I think we undervalue the role that we have in the lives of our children. And I, I think that there has been almost a societal uh, kind of pressure against us, um, kind of, you know, when it comes to our children, kind of knowing our role, right? It's like, okay, no, you you bring home the bacon, you know, you provide the strong, you know, protection. Um, but, you know, let mom address the emotional needs, let mom, you know, when they fall down, let her put the bandaid on. And, and, and I just found myself in a place where I, I really began to look at it and go, you know, we're more we're more than that and our love is more than that and and we have to demand more of ourselves in order to get to where we're really supposed to be as fathers and one of the biggest things that i think that that encompasses is whether or not we are engaged or whether or not we are present and, and for me the real issue here is you know i'm sick and tired of hearing about men who are in the house who cares if you're in the house if you're sitting there the entire time on your Game Boy, if you're if you're you know um, you know glued to the television with exactly. remoting hands, are you hand. really there? Are you really exactly? There? You're not. I mean, your body is there, um, but at the end of the day, you know the way that I look at it, and and the way that that I've really begun to to process it in my books, and just in the way that I'm living my life, is there's a power in being engaged, putting away the phone, the tablet, the uh, the remote control. And just really getting into the face of your children and saying, here's who I am now. Who are you? And who and who and who can you be and who will you be with my influence? And so I, I think, and forgive me for talking so much, but it's it's a topic that I'm really passionate about because I think men have to be more engaged than we have been in the past. I love, I love what you're saying here, Ken. And you said something about influence that hit just right now. You mentioned the word influence. And this podcast is about trying to influence people for good, dads for good, moms for good, parents, families, everyone, business people, anyone. But when you said influence, one of the things that hit me is that, you know, you and I both could go do something in the business world and maybe we could hit it out of the park. But give it 10 years or 20 years, statistically, the chances are whatever we create in the business world is going to be gone. It's right. going to be bankrupted, disrupted, bought, sold morphed into something else it's not going to last but this influence that you and i have with our children is actually influence that can go on for generations it can go on for for centuries really it can go on forever yes and i think sometimes as dads we discount that we think like you said it's our job to bring home the bacon and that's it and and we neglect this huge opportunity to influence our children which we're going to influence their children and their children and their children and it's such a powerful thing. And so, yeah, let's be checked in. You're, you're right. We could be there, but not there. Um, couldn't have said it better. Thank you for saying it so eloquently. <laughs> tell, us <more laughs> about, tell us more about being checked in. Yeah. 
I, you know, it, it's interesting because um, I, it, let, let me just give my disclaimer. Um, I am not an expert. I am just that dad that made the mistakes and fortunately, uh, you know, fell forward and, and figured out a way to catch myself before it was too late. Uh, and, and I'll give you an exact example of what that looked like for me. Um, my children right now, I have a son who's 27 and a daughter who's 24. When my son was six and my, I'm sorry, when my son was seven and my daughter was four, we were living in Colorado and I was a business executive flying all over the world and, and, you know, and just loving life. Um, and I'll never forget that I went on a trip to Japan and I was in Japan for about 10 days. And then I came back from Japan. <clears throat> I was in town for one night and I got a phone call that my biggest customer who was in Florida, uh, there were some issues going on and I had to jump on a plane and fly to Florida, which I did. And coming back the next day, I stopped through Atlanta and, and I had a very long layover for whatever the reason. And I called a friend of mine and I said, hey, are you free for dinner? I'm in town. And she said, sure. So we went to dinner. And at dinner, she said this to me. She said, oh, my God, you just have an enviable life. You're flying all over the world. You're, you know, you're staying in, 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 in penthouse suites. You're being limoed wherever. Um, she says, but at what cost to your children? Basically, you're an absentee father. And, and I, I wish she would have just hit me in the face with a brick <laughs> because right. that's how bad it hurt. And I was, and, and I got angry at her and I'm like, and, and, you know, we had been friends for a really long time. So she had, she felt like she had the right to say that to me and she did. And, but I got really angry, but I got angry, not so much at her because not so much at her. I got angry because she was right. Um, I thought that sending my children text messages from Malaysia was cool, but what my children really preferred is they really preferred to have a dad who was home. And so that really, that really resonated with me in a major way because I went back home and I got to, um, I got to my house and I went into my daughter and again, my daughter was four and I went into her, her bedroom and I said to her, I said, um, honey, how is school? Tell me what's going on at your school. And my daughter said to me, oh, well, I, you know, I go to school. I have a lot of fun. I said, well, tell me about your friends. She goes, oh, I don't have any friends. I said, what do you mean you don't have any friends? She goes, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't play with any of the people there. You know, I only play with the cheap teachers. And she gave me the reasons why. And I was just heartbroken that I, that I had no idea. I didn't know. And then I went to talk to my son and my son shared with me the problems he was having at his school. And again, I had no idea. Even when I would come home, I was in the house, but I was not engaged. I was there, I would eat dinner with them, but my mind was always a million miles away on my job and on things that I was doing. And that really spoke to me. And it said, wow, you're an absentee father. You're in the house, but you're not there. And I think that, that until you really experience that, you don't really get it. Until somebody really calls you on it, you don't really get it. And so for me, I began to be, become very intentional. I actually left my job in corporate America. I was a vice president. I left my job in corporate America. I moved back to New Jersey, which is where, I, where I'm from. And I took a job at Bed Bath & Beyond stocking shelves. And, and I did that. I got tingles, by the way, as you said that. I got to take, as you're saying this, I can just felt that's awesome. And did you do that so you could be more keyed in with your kids? Yes. 
Yes, because I wanted to take my son to every football game. I wanted to take my daughter to every every cheerleading practice. I wanted to be in their lives. I wanted to be engaged. I wanted to know who are your friends and how many do you have and what are they saying to you? And, and so for me, you know, it's one thing to talk it, but it's another thing to do it. And when I left the corporate world, you know, I, I, I ran into a friend of mine that uh, we started off in the corporate world together years ago. And, and that person is way, I mean, you know, way above where I am now. Um, and they've experienced a lot of success. And that's okay, because I made the sacrifice that I needed to, to in order to be an engaged dad. And I would not change that for the world. I get tingles when you say that. You know, as you've been talking, some, there was a, a wise man who said something like this, and I'm probably misquoting it, but he said something like, if we don't fix marriages and families, everything else we do will be like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. When I heard that quote that was something like that, I thought to myself, you know, first of all, I got to acknowledge for you for quitting your job to be with your kids. That is phenomenal, Ken. I love that. And it shows me that you can say, you know what? The fame and the, the, the reinforcement that you get from being kind of a this, the business executive that's getting all flown all over and all the kind of reinforcement you get and, 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 and lauds from the, you know, applause from the community doesn't compare to the, what you're going to have with your, with your kids there. Thank right. you. Yeah. But, but I was going to say this part about, you know, we look at problems in the world. We look at problems like, uh, you know, we see sometimes civil unrest or we see people rioting or there's people who are looting and stealing and, and we have wars in some areas of the world. We have all kinds of stuff going on. And some people say, well, okay, well, we can fix it. The government can fix this. Or the government can fix that. Or this political party can fix this. Or this political party can fix that. And I'm not discounting the good that can be done with civil things. But the real root of the problem, when we really, really look at the root of the problem, it's really what we need is good dads and good moms to say, I'm here for you. Let's learn. I'm, people who are already because they're not there to teach their children, hey, we're going to respect people and we're going to follow the golden rule and we're going to treat people kindly. And if you don't have enough good dads and good moms, you're never going to have enough policemen. You're never going to have enough courts. The system is not going to be able to fix it, right? Yeah. It comes down to parents. Are they there? Do you, do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and, and you know, and, and you're being really kind because you always kind of throw the mom in there. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're not suffering in our society as much with the absence of mothers as we are with the absence of fathers. You know, I and agree. so I think a lot of the women have stayed on the front line and, and not only have they stayed there, but they have split their time. I was reading a report just this morning about the number of women in the workforce that are uh, not only doing their jobs in the, in the workforce, but then they're coming home and doing everything that they're doing at home. So the issue here is not the moms. You know, uh, I think the real issue here is really the dads leaning into our roles uh, and taking them on and not being myopic and just going, oh, well, I'm just going to go over here and, and work hard and, and put money in the house. You know, one of the lessons that I learned early on in my marriage is my wife and my children, they would rather have me than have me sending them money or sending them gifts. 
money yes. and gifts, they don't, they're not a substitute for a dad. And the last thing I would say in agreement to what you said as well is there's a comedian and his name is Simbad. And I remember one time I was listening to one of his standups and one of the things he talked about, it resonated with me so significantly is he said that one of the, uh, one of the consequences of fathers not being engaged and not being in the households, engaged in the households in the way that they should is that there has become a lack of respect and a lack of fear, and especially played out in the young men. And he went on to talk about the fact that the very first person that he was afraid of, that he learned respect for, was his father. His father taught him respect. He taught him fear, a healthy fear of authority. But now you have a lot of households out there where there's not a dad or the dad is not engaged, and so the sons and, and to a degree, some of the daughters, but more so the men, they don't fear anything anymore. So they're not afraid of the police or they don't respect the police. They're not a, afraid of doing wrong and the consequences of that. And Sinbad boiled it down to a lack of the fatherly figure that does that. And I could, I, I could relate to that because, you know, my father, who is still alive, you know, my father, I, growing up, I had a healthy fear of him. I tell people all the time, I was scared of my dad till I was like 73 years old. <laughs> and I'm not 73. <laughs> there you go. So I, I definitely believe that that father's not being contributes to so much that many of us don't even want to recognize. And maybe we just don't. And I like how you put it there. And sometimes people want to put this negative connotation on fear, like why should never... But what I think what you're saying, this healthy fear, or some people might call it respect for the law, respect yeah. for the police, respect for the uh, for doing what we're supposed to do, yeah. or healthy fear, as you said. I love that because you're right. I think people learn they need that kind of nurturing from a mom, but learn the respect, a healthy fear, if you will, for doing the right thing. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of the problems we're seeing in our society is exactly the of that. I like also that you were uh, that you called me out on this and said, you know what, dads, we'll just, we're talking about dads today. And <laughs> yeah, we realized, well, today, dads, we need to, to step up. Now, yeah. I got to say, as part of the positive things, I, I, let me give you, um, there have been so many moments where if I have been checked in, I'm so grateful that I've been checked in, right? Yeah. And I can tell you, sometimes it gets really fun where you can spend this time with your kids. Let me give you an example for just what that came to mind while you were chatting. You know, my daughter came to me one time and she said, hey, dad, I want to hike this mountain. There's, there's a, a, a mountain bias nearby that's 11,700 feet high. Okay. And she said, she was five years old. She came to me and she said, dad, I want to hike this mountain. And of course, there's part of me that's thinking you're five years old, right? It's it's a it's eleven thousand seven hundred feet high, and uh, but she kept begging me, and I said, and I and I finally said, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you really want to try hiking this mountain, I'll try hiking this mountain. But I want you to know your feet are going to hurt. It's probably fifteen miles back. We're going to go five thousand feet up and five thousand feet down. And she said, Dad, I can do it. And I said. Well, if you want to try, I'll try with you. So I, I went one grade. I took my daughter with me. Here's the yeah. thing that was really interesting. It was really fun. She made it to the top. And I'm getting tingles as I said, as my five-year-old daughter made wow. it to the top of this mountain. And there were people high-fiving her. And there were people at the top when she got there that stood up and gave her a standing ovation. 
And I'm telling you, for me to be able to witness that, yeah, and that was a special experience for me. And it also helped my daughter be more confident. She was like, I, I can tell just because she kind of she was a little bit proud of it. It's like, hey, I hiked that mountain. And and being able to help her have that confidence was really rewarding to me as a person because I'm thinking, oh wow. You know, I helped her do something she wanted to do. And frankly, she surprised me. And she yeah. surprised, you know, a bunch of people think being checked in is not like, oh, I have to have this drudgery. Now, I'm not saying being checked in is always going to be fun, but there are rewarding times for, for people who say, you know, I'm going to put the phone down. I'm going to put down the, the TV remote and I'm going to go be with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. I love your story because I think your, your, your story um, I think it, it it really is kind of almost, a, it, it's not even a metaphor, but it, it, it is typical of the fact that, or it's, it's representative of the fact that being checked in allows us to help our children scale mountains, right? There you go. You, you know, said I mean, it so much better than I did, Kent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but and, and that is so true. And, and to be there, and I would also say this to you as well. Um, you know, being a parent, it is not easy, but boy, is it worth it. And, and, and it doesn't mean that it's always pleasant. It doesn't mean that everything, you know, there's always, you know, um, you know, ice cream cones and, you know, and, 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 and you know, and syrupy sweet candy or whatever it is. Um, but it's so worth it, you know? And, and so even in the moments when it's not easy, even in the moments when it's not pleasant, you know what, I'd rather have that with my children than life without them. That much I can I, I can promise you. And those moments, man, those video games, wasting your time. Nothing's gonna ever <laughs> break happen because you're playing a video game. But right. man, make it a little difference here or there. My dad showed up for me, my dad was there. He taught me this lesson, he taught me respect, whatever it is. Those things can go on for thousands, That's, generations. That, that is so true. That is so true. And, and X, I just got to I got to say this right here, because what you're saying is it is not even that we do it for ourselves. And even if we don't necessarily get the you know, if we see it as drudgery or as we see it as, oh, my God, or whatever, forget about all of that, because it's not even about you. It's about your legacy. Right. You said it earlier and I could not agree more. It is about your legacy and your and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're paying into your investing into your legacy. And it brings me to, to, to this. There's a commercial that played years ago. I saw it during the Super Bowl. And on the commercial, uh, this father and his wife, they get up in the morning and they knock on their daughter's door and they said, hey, um, you know, come and go with us. You know, we're, we're going to go somewhere. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't want to go. Are you kidding me? So they go, they get in, the, in their, in their, in their, you know, their SUV and you see them driving in the highway and the girl is in the back looking cr incredibly bored. She's on her phone and they drive and they're pointing things out. And as they point them out, she doesn't even look at them. Then they get all the way up to the to this mountain kind of scenic overlook. And they get out and they're like, hey, come and look at this. And she's like, oh, my God. And she gets out and she goes over and they're standing there in this most amazing sunset. And they're like appreciating it. And she's just kind of standing there, you know, kind of hands in pocket, you know, kind of looking up, you know, rolling eyes. And the dad, he's just like, oh, my God, nothing, nothing. And he kind of says to his wife, he's like, you know, nothing ever impresses her. So it's like, all right, fine, get in the car. So they get in the car, they go all the way back home, they get home. You know, she she just gets out the car and she just walks in like she's throwing a tantrum. She kind of stomps into the house, into her bedroom, slams the door. 
the dad turns to the mom and he's like, nothing ever affects her. Uh, nothing's ever good enough. And the mom's like, no, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Later on that night, he goes on to like Facebook or something and show you how long ago it was, right? He goes on the Facebook and her and, and her page pops up and there's a picture of the sunset that they were looking at. And she has a caption underneath and her caption was best day ever. And I think about that because so many times we're we're looking to them to give us a visual a visual sign that that what we're doing is impacting them, and many times they won't. But how it's impacting their life is we can't even imagine how it impacts their life, and that's what I think about all the time when my children are rolling their eyes and, <laughs> and looking like they're completely bored. Is that we can't know what we do today how that impacts them forever. I love that, man. You, you, I, I teared up when you told me that story, man. I can't believe Ken, that that's a great story where we, you show up and you may not feel like it's doing anything. And yeah. at the same time, it may be doing way, way more than you could imagine. And that's fatherhood in a nutshell. That's, you that's know. right. Fatherhood with the corny jokes, fatherhood with the, you know, with the, with the bad meals that, that you burn, fatherhood with the, you know, with the, with the uh, terrible dances and fatherhood, you know, with the intimidating stares at the boyfriend or the girlfriend. So much of what we do, just really being an engaged dad, we, we can't even measure the, the positive impact that it has. And I will say this to you, that the opposite is also true the lack of uh, the lack of recognition the lack of acknowledging who they are and what they care about you know after i got divorced one of the things that i did is when my children would go anywhere with me i would always give them the option of choosing the radio station i would they would get into my car and i would say anything you want to listen to you can listen to it and whether I'm a pastor or not is irrelevant. You can listen to whatever you want to listen to, because at some point we've got to understand that it's not even about us. It's totally about them. And 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 I, I think in one of my, my last books, I, I put a phrase in there that the love we show our children to the engagement we give to our children today are seeds that we plant in a garden of love. And, and to me, that that's really the name of the game. Ken, you are an inspiration. You're an inspiration. Tell us a little bit about your books. Yeah, so so my very first book came really because I was I was going through divorce, and I I I was I couldn't believe divorce had come through my door. You know, no one marries to get divorced, and it came to my door, and I found myself digging in. Right, I found myself digging in, going, "You're not getting that barbecue grill. That's my big, you know, uh, big green egg." You're not getting this painting. You're not getting this. You're not getting that. And I took my eye off the most important thing. And that was my legacy, my children. And thank God I woke up at one point and said, this has got to stop. And it's got to be about my children. And so I, I set out to try to figure out a way. I'm like, well, let me find a book to help me be a responsible dad, even during divorce. Let me figure out a way to honor God, even during divorce. And I couldn't find anything. And so I couldn't find anything. And, and a friend of mine said to me, if you can't find it, then you write it. And so my very first book was a book called Divorce But Still Dad, Faith Principles of the Responsibility of Dads During and After Divorce. 
um, because I really believe a lot of men take their eye off of their children in the midst of divorce. They're more concerned about a car, a house, a wardrobe, a painting, uh, and these material things that to your point, 10 years from now won't even matter, but our children will absolutely matter forever. They will pour into their children and their children will pour into their children, the things that you pour into them. So that was the first book. While I was writing that book, though, something amazing happened. I kind of got way, a- real, real quick, I want to interject. I yeah. love how you were the change you wanted to see in the world. God, yeah. you said, you got to be the change. You couldn't find the book, so you wrote it. Thank yeah. you. Okay, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Um, but I got an epiphany when I was writing. I was writing the book, and there was a chapter where I was talking specifically about my children and my responsibility to them. And in the midst of that, I had, I had an epiphany. I'm like, wait a minute. I absolutely positively love my children with all my heart. I may not like their mom. I may not agree with their mom. I may not feel like I want to stay with their mom, but that has nothing to do with the children. And I think too many times men, um, we, we confuse how we feel about our children with what's going on with the mom. And we need to bifurcate the two and keep them completely separate. And so in that moment, I thought about all of the friends that I have. I don't have any male friends in my life who don't like their children and who don't want to take care of their children and, and, and who don't genuinely love. They may not like the mom and they may have issues with the mom, but it's never an issue of the children. And so that kind of inspired me to write another book. And the name of the book is The Love of a Father, uh, Faith Principles of the Power of a Father's Love. And I just really looked at the fact that a lot of people misrepresent a, a, a father's love because they try to use a mother's yardstick to measure it. You can't use a mother's yardstick to, me to measure a father's love. They're completely different. One is not better than the other. One is not more intense. They're, they're different. different. They're needed both. But, but, but they're both equally needed and necessary. And so I wrote that book. And I will tell you the cool thing about the book that I think is cool is I, I wrote in the beginning of the book, the book is divided into three different parts. But the third part of the book, I, I reached out to 25 men, different, different races, different ethnicities, different ages. And I gave them a survey about fatherhood. And I said, would you mind filling this out? And in the back of the book, you, I, I just put all of them straight into the book, no editing or anything. So you get an opportunity to see 20. And, and actually, I, I sent it out to 25 men and only 23 of them returned it. Um, and so, you know, you have 23 men in here from all different walks of life, but the thread is all the same. We love our children. We absolutely love our children. And many of us are in a point of confusion about what that love is supposed to look like. And I think that's where we have to call it out. And we have to, we have to lean into what that looks like. So I, I'd written those books and I'm at breakfast one morning with my wife. And my wife says to me, she says, you know, she said, I watched how you are with your children. I didn't grow up with a dad. And it wasn't until I saw you with your daughter that I really understood how a father-daughter relationship is supposed to work. And I also understood what an engaged dad looked like. She said, you need to write a book for children. And, and, and the book needs to be about the power of an engaged dad. And I'm like, I can't write a children's book. I don't know how to talk to kids, <laughs> you know? And she's like, no, 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 you need to do that. It was literally 10 o'clock X on a Saturday morning. And I took the challenge. I went up to my office. By six o'clock, I had written the entire book. 
And I had come up with an additional 11 books as part of an overall series, a series that I call the Engage Dad series. And the very first book is called Pancake Dad, about a dad who every Saturday gets up and makes pancakes for his kids. Uh, and not, and I shouldn't it's say something little days. like that is something that kids will remember. My dad made yes. on Saturday. He was engaged with the made pancake. I love that. Something, yeah, keep going. And, and and the thing about it is, is that for me, my dad, it was omelets. When I grew up, my dad used to get up on Saturday morning to make omelets, but not just make them for us. He would make them with us. We were in the kitchen with him. Mom slept in and we let mom sleep in and we got in there together and we were able to, to laugh cool. and talk and create memories. Um, Such a good idea. Such a good. Thank you for a good idea, Ken. <laughs> well, and so that was Pancake Dad. So on the heels of Pancake Dad came Ice Cream Dad. And Ice Cream Dad is exactly, again, my father, he, this is what I experienced growing up and what I tried to pass into my children. Um, on Saturday afternoons, we would just get in the car and we would just drive. We would drive 50 miles or 60 miles just to get an ice cream cone, just to get a hamburger, just to get a hot dog. And, um, and that's what Ice Cream Dad does. After the chores are done, after everybody does their chores, that's family time where everybody leaves all of their all of their you know electronic devices and they all get in the car and they just kind of you know they they you know dad says hey what 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 uh, what radio station do you want to listen to and they put in the radio station and they all just laugh and talk and drive and no one you know no one can get out the car because it's going too fast right <laughs> so it's a captive audience um, there you go you know, but but that's, you know, so that was Ice Cream Dad. Um, and so those were the books that that just really, for me, just really kind of say, hey, hey, dads, let's lean into this. Let's be engaged, dad. And here's some ideas on what that looks like. Not the only ideas, but some ideas to kind of get you to thinking. I love that. And they can find those. Can they find it at dadsoffaith.com? Is that, is that the right website? Yep. Dadsoffaith.com. They can also find them on Amazon as well. Awesome. Ken, this is a, this is a great, great conversation. I, you know, even as I talk to you, I'm thinking maybe I could be pancake dad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I could be omelet dad or ice cream dad or something. Right? Yeah. Make a tradition, you know, and I feel like I'm a pretty engaged dad, but even as somebody who's engaged dad, I just be, Hey, you know, there's a bunch of stuff I could do better, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, that's all of us, by the way. I learn from you, you learn from me, we learn from each other. And as long as we all understand that that there is there's is, there's is no pride in ownership here, anything that we can do, you know, for the good okay. of our kids, let's do it. And by the way, anything we can do to help dads in our in, in this generation will help our children's generation. It yeah. will help the next gen. So that this this message is super important to help truthfully the world. I mean, this is where influence starts. You know, it's really interesting that we talk about influence. I, I really like to talk about what is it that makes can help change people for good. And as I've thought and thought about it, yeah, there's lots of things you can do in the business world. There's lots of things you can do in different areas, government or political or all kinds of stuff. But the root, the most powerful thing is to be a good parent. Yeah. Do your best yeah. to have a good family. And I'm glad totally feel like you, you're on the same page with us there. Anything else you would say? You, you know, I, I would I would just say I want to go back to something we talked about a little bit earlier. Don't do it just to get the accolades from your children. Don't do it so that they say, oh, my dad's the coolest in the world. 
Um, By the way, and that I want to just interject here. Being popular is not the goal with your no, kid. No, exactly. I mean, sometimes, exactly. sometimes you've got to hold the line and they might hate you for a while. <laughs> you know what? It's so yeah. funny you say that because in my book, Divorce But Still Dad, I asked my daughter to write one of the chapters. I said, I want you to write a chapter so that men can read it and see what, what the children are thinking when divorce comes to their doorstep. One of the things my daughter said is that she thanked me in the book for not trying to be her friend. I was her dad, her dad that gives her guidance, her dad that gives her uh, you know, perspective that someday says things she doesn't want to hear. Um, I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be a parent. And, and I think that is so critical. And I think we make, I think people make mistakes in wanting to be the cool dad or wanting to be the friend, you know, the dad that's a friend. Your children will value you more when you are the dad that gives guidance and the dad that gives love. Uh, the last thing I would say about that is one of the things I talk about when I talk about divorce with still dad is what exactly is a man. And I give a definition and it's my own definition uh, that I got from my study of the, of the Bible, but it is what I call protector, provider, and priest. And, and I think those are really what typify what being a man is really all about. Uh, or being a dad, I'm sorry, is really all about. Uh, protector means we, a lot of men get this messed up. They think our job is to protect our family from the external. I would submit that many times our job is to protect our family from us, from, um, from men, from us internally, from our attitudes, from our sharp tongues, from our lack of attention, from our uh, ambivalence to so many different things. So protector means sometimes protecting my family from me. I can be too harsh. My words can be too sharp. I need to protect my family from me. And then provider is not just providing, you know, you know, the bacon and, and, and bringing it home for the wife to fry it up in the pan. Uh, the provider means providing love and validation, support. And I think that's a part that we forget. I want to be a provider for my kids, but not just meaning that I, I bring money, but I bring the things, the intangibles that they need. And then the priest yeah, and then the priest just simply means it doesn't matter what your religious inclination or your spiritual inclination. Everyone needs to believe there's something bigger than them and, and a greater force in this world. And we have to lead our children into understanding because when we believe that there's something bigger than us and there's a reason why we're here, it gives our life's purpose. And I think our fathers, our dads have to lead in giving and helping inform our children of their purpose. I agree with you. So powerful. Let me let me let me just add one more thing that you said here. Backing up just a little bit about holding the line when we're not trying to be popular. By the way, I like everything you said about the provider, protector, priest, presider, however you want to call it. Um, the uh, the thought I had is sometimes the most valuable thing you can do is hold the line in a in a in a fatherly, firm but kind way. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody put it this way. They said, when people are growing up, it's almost like you're in a dark cave and you're feeling yourself like a child, for example, they're growing up, they're feeling themselves kind of trying to figure out this dark cave. And if they push up against a wall, you can say, okay, I found a wall here. But if they push on it hard and the wall crumbles, do you think the, the kid feels more secure or less secure if the wall just crumbled? And they found it would probably make you feel less secure, right? Yes, exactly. So if, you're, if you're the boundary and you're the wall and say, hey, you know what, son? These are some things we're not going to do. You know what, daughter? These are how I'm, I'm going to hold a firm boundary. And they may push against you. That's the kid's job is to push against. Right. 
when the parents' jobs push against. But when you hold firm on a good boundary, not a crazy boundary, but a good one, right. Right. it actually helps the kid feel more secure. Now, you may not know it, just like you told me with that Facebook where it's like best day ever. You may, they may be complaining and saying, I can't believe my dad won't budge on this. I can't believe this happened. But the truth is you're actually helping them feel more secure inside by being firm on a good boundary. Absolutely. And sometimes that takes the, the bravery to be unpopular. It say, does. All right, this is the way it's going to be. I love you, care about you, but I care, you know, and you have to have those conversations with your kids. Kind of, you know, like I don't let my son run in the street with busy trucks because I know what a busy truck can do to his body if it runs over him. Right. And so right. You may say, well, you're mean, dad, because you won't let me play in the streets. Like, well, actually, I'm giving you this boundary because I love you, not because I hate you. <laughs> you know right. What I mean? Right. Explain it, but firm. I'm still not going to let you play in the street. Love exactly. you. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and I think that the key to that, too, and I, I could not agree more, is children will respect that when they see that it's done in love, you know? Right. And so no matter what we do, the firmness is okay, but do it in love, right? The firmness is okay, but don't let that be the only thing they ever see, that you're only firm. Let them see you having fun with them. Let them see you being zany with them. Let them, you know, see you- Pancake you know, dad, man, dad, right? <laughs> climb a mountain with them. Do some fun <laughs> stuff with them, right? Do some things that they want to do. Your daughter will never forget that climbing the mountain wasn't your idea, it was hers, you know, and that's what will really matter. I love that. Ken, thanks so much for this, for these words of wisdom. Reach out to Ken at dadsoffaith.com. Love to, you know, get your books. Um, any other ways they can get a hold of you, Ken, if they need to. Yeah, a Dads of Faith gives you all the different ways to get to me, but you can also get to me on, um, on um, uh, Twitter at Dads of Faith. Uh, you can get to me on on uh, on face was it Facebook at uh, Facebook at Dads of Faith, um, Instagram at Dads of Faith, uh, and then of course you know I'm on Amazon. If you just type in Ken Gordon and Pancake Dad, it will pull up all my books. Uh, but yeah, but but Dads of Faith can 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 take you directly to me though. I got to tell you, I may become a Pancake Dad after this conversation, <laughs> or an omelet dad. I wanted something like that. It's going to happen different because I talked to you. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you can become a pancake dad, but if if you get to the point where you think your pancakes are better than mine, we might have to have a cook-off. <laughs> I might I might concede to you right now, because I know how well I can take it, and I could use some work, so I'll probably just give you the title right now. Um, pre appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much, Ken, for being And to anyone listening, feel free to share this episode with anyone you feel could benefit from it. And we'll have some notes where we can get, get a hold of Ken if you're driving and want to get a hold of Ken Gordon at any time. Thanks again, Ken, for being on the show. Thanks for having me.